guys. Today's episode's going to sound a little bit different, and that's because we're bringing you one of our favorite murder minis from last year. You know how life sometimes it gets pretty busy, and I'm going to blame this one on Tyler because he decided to move. All joking aside, this has been a really busy week, and sometimes life happens, and we all need to be okay that sometimes life happens. So we're not going to be bringing you guys a new episode this week. Instead, like I was saying, we're going to be sharing one of our favorite murder minis. So buckle up, listen, and you're going to get to hear the little bit tipsier side, me and Tyler, that you're used to hearing maybe towards the end of some of the episodes. Oh, am I starting this one? I don't know. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I think, I think, uh, I'll start. I'll start. Hi, listeners. Hello. Hey. Obviously, we are 50 murder minis in and d- don't, don't know how to do this yet. We're, you know, we're, we've got our training wheels on. And at <laughs> this point, the training wheels, they're rusted on. Like they're not coming off. But I also don't think we want them to come off. They're, they're just wheels at this point. They're basically our legs. Oh, God, I just got an image of training wheels, but they were legs, and I did not like that mental image one bit. Like a fucking Catherine wheel of baby doll legs going on? Uh-uh, not, not oh, into God. that. Oh, God, you went dark. <laughs> not, not many people named Catherine. <laughs> Do you not know what Catherine wheel is? No. I mean, it's a torture device, so it's a torture device. It's the wheel that they tie people to and I guess spin it. I don't know how it really tortures you. I think it kind of pulls you apart. Whatever. This is not a Catherine Wheel episode. It's with a C, like, I think Catherine of Russia. Yeah, but this could old, be a Catherine Wheel episode. Catherine yeah, Wheel but... murders. So, uh, do you want me to get into my murder mini? Anyway, hello, I'm Tyler. That's Brittany. This is Blood and Wine. This is Murder Mini. Yes, get into your murder mini. I'm disgusted and horrified and i need a moment so just do your do your thing tell you tell you a little story okay and i thankfully still have a full glass of wine left because i i know you and i know i'm gonna need it for your case (laughs) you will and i'm pouring my last glass here we go so the sources i used an article from history daily and an article from all that's interesting So my case is about a man named Carl Tanzler. I feel like I might recognize that name. I promise you've seen it. And once I get to a certain point, you're going to be like, oh my God, or you haven't heard of it. And you're just going to be like, oh my God. Jesus Christ. Okay. He was born in Germany in 1877. He got married and had two children in 1920. But in 1926... Tanzler abandoned his entire family, and (laughs) he claimed to be a former submarine captain who moonlighted as an inventor. Yeah. There you go. Okay. All the things. (laughs) And he accepted a position as a radiology technician in Key West, Florida, where he worked at the U.S. Marine Hospital under the name Count Carl von Kossel. Count? Like Chocula? Yeah, he was claiming to be a count. He wasn't. This bitch. Right? So one day, a young Cuban-American woman named Maria Elena (gasps) Maligro. I think I know this case. I told you you would. So her name was Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. She walked into the hospital and the doctor saw this like 
dream come true. Like, he was mesmerized by this woman that walked through. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, this case. Brittany. Hold it in, let me tell it first. Listeners. (laughs) Holy shit, y'all. If y'all haven't had the realization moment I just did, that was pulled out of a, a bank in my memory I'm not sure where from. Probably an episode of My Favorite Murder from 300 years ago, but oh my god. Yeah, I heard about this case years ago, and it's been on my radar for a long time. And tonight, I was searching for a case, and it popped up again. And I was like, you know what? This is a sign. It's time. So when Tansler was young, he would have these visions of some stunning, dark-haired woman who was predestined to be his true love. Ew. So Elena, she was 22 years old. And she very much resembled this woman that he would see in his dreams. So he immediately became convinced that their love was meant to be. Unfortunately for them both, Tansler's prognosis was not great. He diagnosed her with tuberculosis, which at this time was still considered a fatal disease. Despite his lack of qualifications needed to treat a tuberculosis tuberculosis patient, Tansler was determined to save Elena, and he ignored all of the hospital protocol, and he started using a different variety of specially made tonics and elixirs and medicines in an effort to save her. Tansler administrated these treatments in Elena's family home, and he was showering her at the same time with gifts and declaring his love for her all the while. Now, We don't really know exactly how she felt about him, but we're pretty sure she didn't share these mutual loving feelings. But, you know, he was taking care of her, so she needed it. She was dying. I mean, yeah, it's one of those, such a fucking shitty situation that fucking men do, where it's like, okay, if she turns down his advances, is she not going to get the medical care she needs? And I'm like, this is why you don't take advantage of people when you're a goddamn in a place of fucking authority you giant, colossal asshole. Despite his best efforts, Elena succumbed to her illness in October 1931, and this left Tansler heartbroken. He insisted on purchasing a pricey stone mausoleum in in the Key West Cemetery for her remains, and with her parents' permission, he hired a mortician to prepare her body before locking her inside. And he also paid for all the funeral services, everything. He footed the entire bill. But what Elena's family didn't realize is that there was only one key to the tomb, and Tansler was the one who had that key. What the fuck? So he visited her grave every night for two years. Ew. But all of a sudden, he stopped. He lost his job, and we don't don't really know exactly why, but, I mean... It's not like he was this outstanding worker. He wasn't very, uh, he wasn't doing, doing right things. So he lost nope. his job. And so his, her family started to find it really weird. Like he stopped going to the graveside and he was essentially ignoring the woman who he had shown like all this affection for and who he loved. But they didn't really dig into why he all of a sudden kind of just disappeared. They were like, we're over you. Like we're done. You've, you've stopped visiting her. That's fine. We'd rather just mourn as a family anyway. Yeah. Well, the reason Tansler stopped visiting her grave is because in April 1933, he actually removed Elena's body from the mausoleum. So he was no longer needing to go visit her every night. 
because she was in his house. I hate this so much. I hate this case. I hate this guy. He's so fucking gross and creepy and just desecrating her remains. It gets worse. So she had been deceased for two years, and Tansler was left with the task of figuring out how to mummify and maintain Elena's corpse. So he did this inside of an old airplane that he repurposed into this like makeshift medical laboratory. So it's literally like the whole of an airplane was where he took her and did all this stuff. What the fuck? Is he a James Bond villain? This just sounds like it's not real, but it's very real. The only reason I'm like, no, it is real is it's in fucking Florida. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, (laughs) par for the course. Pretty much. Jesus Christ. Like, of course this would happen in Florida. I know, if you were like, and this took place in Oregon, I'd be like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, no, I don't think it did. (laughs) Florida, Key West, yup. So he Got was, that plane hidden under the mangroves. So he was trying all these DIY tricks to keep Elena's decaying body intact. Oh, five-minute crafts. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it sounds like, because this included using plaster of Paris, glass eyes. He was trying to maintain the integrity of her face, as well as he would also use coat hangers and other wires to stabilize her frame. He also stuffed her torso with rags in an attempt to preserve its original form. And he covered her scalp with bits of real hair, some of it what was left of her own, to give her a wig so she could have hair. Tansler applied copious amounts of perfumes, flowers, disinfectants, and preserving agents to keep the rotting odor at bay. Because again, remember, this is just like in his apartment. He also routinely applied mortician's wax to her face in an effort to keep her, and I quote, alive. He also dressed her. She wore gloves, jewelry, and he would even put her body in his bed. And he shared his bed with her corpse for the next seven years. Okay. I need to escape to another plane of reality. Like, bye. (laughs) I'm, I'm out. I'm at Dunzo. What the? Seven years. He didn't even know her that long. He didn't even know her at all. She was his patient. I know. She don't know you. My God. I I refuse. I refuse. I'm out. So as you can expect, the entire town was talking about him. They didn't really know. They knew? No, that's what I was about to say. They didn't really know what he had done, but It just felt really weird that he kept buying all these perfumes and women's clothes. Like, he obviously had someone, but they never saw her. And so they started to have their suspicions about, what, like, what did he do? And Oh, I would just assume he's, like, into drag. Now you would, yes. This was... I guess this is the 30s. Yeah. So, I know, when I read that and I was like, oh, they were, like, outraged. And I think in present day... That's stupid. But in the 30s, this was not common. I'm like, maybe he wants to walk around the house in his Givenchy and his Louboutins with his Calvin Klein perfume. Let, Let him, him do live. his thing. But just kidding. There's a dead person he's dressing and dining and dating in his house. Yeah, he's actually really fucked up. So there was even one person who saw him dancing with a giant doll. Now we know this it wasn't was not a, doll. a giant doll. It was not a doll. 
Elena's family started to feel like something was really off. And Elena's sister showed up at Tanzler's house in 1940, and that's where she found what she believed to be a life-size effigy of her sister. She called the police, and they came, and they quickly determined that this doll was actually Elena herself. Obviously, Tanzler was arrested immediately after he was found living with a corpse. And yes. <laughs> yes. An autopsy of Elena revealed the intricacies of Tanzler's work, which unfortunately and disgustingly included a paper tube that he inserted into her vagina. Although a paper tube? Well, it was kind of like to make it, to hold it open, make it like a vagina so he could have sex with her. I'm tracking. I know what you mean. I'm just horrified. For multiple reasons. He paper cut his foreskin. Over and over. He says he never did anything, but, like... Okay. Who's <laughs> gonna believe but, this guy? Yeah. All right. Also, okay, sure. Let's say you never penetrated her. You shoved a paper tube into her vagina. That's not nothing, you creep. So, uh, you did. A psychiatric evaluation determined that Tanzler was competent to stand trial. Surprise. He was arrested immediately, and like I said, and he was put on trial for wantingly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. And this case became a local sensation. Surprise, it was only local, though. It's um, not now. What? We all know about it now. You damn fucking right we do. What the actual fuck? So when he was on stand, he claimed that he planned to bring Elena back to life through intergalactic means. Oh my god. But but he's totally competent to stand trial. I mean, lots of competent people believe in space things and intergalactic life beings, so okay, sure, but what? Oh no, no, no. Let me continue. He explained that he wanted to take Elena's body high into the stratosphere so that so that radiation from outer space could penetrate Elena's tissues and restore life to her somnolent form. He had to use the word penetrate. Yeah, obviously. Also, that's not that's not how anything works, you dumbass. <laughs> you know, what was actually really disturbing is that he received quite a bit of compassion during his trial. Some even What? Yeah. Some people even viewed him as this, like, hopeless romantic. I mean, yeah, he was eccentric, but, like, he loved her. These people were just as fucked up as he was. That is not eccentricity. That is a monster. And, I mean, shit, those are probably the same people who would, like, write to fucking Bundy in prison and being like, I want you to, like... I love you. I love the darkness in you. Like, just shut the fuck up. Just be a real goddamn person and not fawn over darkness because it makes you edgy or whatever. And this dude is not a hopeless romantic. He's a goddamn monster desecrating the grave of a woman he doesn't know but thinks is hot. You ready to get real mad? No. No. I'm, 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 I don't want to get angrier than this. Despite everything that he did... The statute of limitations had expired for the crime he was accused of committing, what? leaving Tanzler free to go. What the fuck? How? Okay. How is it 
I mean, I guess though the crimes were like desecrating a grave, not mm-hmm. desecrating a body, because the yeah. body desecration happened day in day out for thirty or for seven years, but the grave desecration only happened the one time seven years ago. Yeah, the desecration and the stealing of her body was seven years ago, which. What I'm sorry, fuck? what kind of statute of limitations is that? I know, seven years. You're telling me I go fucking grave robbing, and if, if I hide out for seven years, I'm like, <laughs> can't touch me, bitch. In Florida. I feel like the statute of limitations for, like, stealing from a store is not seven, is longer than seven years. And I'm sorry if you believe stealing, like, a sleeping bag from Walmart is worse than stealing a body. You need help. I don't know why sleeping bag was the thing you steal, but that's... I don't know, you're going camping. You're going camping and your wallet's in the car, so... What you gonna do? You can't be bothered to go grab it. It's all the, You know how big those parking lots are. So, Tansler, he even asked after his trial if he could have Elena's body back. And they were like, no. Believe it or not, it's about to get even more fun. You up. broke me. You oh, broke me. Well, I'm about to break you more. So instead of... Did they say yes? No, I told you they denied that. I know, but... But instead of taking her body and immediately reburying her, it was actually put on display at a local funeral home where nearly 7,000 people came to see the corrupted corpse. So they turned her into a show. I don't know how to respond to this. Her family... I know. The level of disrespect for Elena in all of this is beyond something you can even stomach. Like, there was none by anyone. Her body was finally laid to rest in an unmarked grave in Key West Cemetery. They wanted to deter Tansler, obviously, from just digging her up again, or copycats. Tansler went to live on the rest of his life alone. And he died in his home in 1952, where he was discovered three weeks after his passing. And wow. that is the tragic story of Elena Hoya and Tanzler, this crazy, messed up dude that I don't know how he was determined competent to stand trial because dude was not okay. Uh, No, 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 he was not. Wow. Wow. Okay. See why I wanted to do that for such a long time? Yes. Yes, I do. I Uh-huh. So, Ty, huh? how are you going to follow that up? What's your murder mini? Well, mine is certainly different. Um, Thank God. Wow. Uh, okay. I'm just going to jump into mine. Mine is the murder of Su Yakim, and the source I used is unsolved.com. So, this was, I think, an episode of the sixth season of Unsolved Mysteries. So, in 1981, Su-ya and Su-young Kim, they married in their native town of Seoul, South Korea, and then they moved to the U.S. Su-young and Su-ya, they worked in flea markets in New York City because that was their dream. New York represented just this, like, new life for them. As it did and for many people. In... And does, uh, still. Yeah, and they worked in these flea markets until they were finally able to open two stores of their own. Uh, one was on Long Island and the other in Bushwick in Brooklyn. As their 
you know, businesses grew, so did their family. Suya and Su Young had two sons, and for the most part, the whole family was usually found at their store in Brooklyn, uh, working there, and it, I mean, it was very much like a family store kind of thing. The Kims eventually moved into a pretty big apartment, spacious, you know, a, a family apartment in Queens. So there, in Queens, on the afternoon of June 29th of 1991, this was just five days after Young and Suya had their 10th wedding anniversary. Suya, she went shopping, she left the boys with their grandmother, and was like, ooh, I'm gonna have a girl's day, go shopping. Well, that night, Young he came home at about 8pm, and his wife was not home from the shopping trip, and he was like, this is... This is weird. She's not usually, like, just gone like this. So he called her friends, but no one knew where she was. And then, you know, he went to, like, the parking garage of the apartment, and he saw that her car was still there. And he was like, okay, something's up. Something's yeah. not okay. Well, the next day, Soo Young Kim was summoned to the medical examiner's office to identify a body. Oh, no. And it was that of his wife. Suya Kim. Suya Kim had been stabbed nine times, and her body was dumped in the Bedford Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. And this was about seven miles away from their apartment. So she was taken somewhere. Unless I guess she lives in Queens and it's in New York, so maybe she took the subway. But I, I assume because he was really concerned that her car was still there, that she generally took the car. But yeah, yeah. This, she was found seven miles away from home. That's far in New York. Yeah. I mean, seven miles, I think from like Battery Park to as far north as you can go, what, the far north of the Bronx isn't even seven miles. Is the Bronx what's above New York or Manhattan? Okay. Listen, I'm not the one who lived in New York. I don't know. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, for listeners who couldn't see that, I like nodded and gave Tyler a look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's pretty confirmed. So Suya Kim's body, she was nude, but there wasn't any evidence of rape. And it appeared like she was just the victim of some act of random violence. But unlike a lot of random crimes that happen, this one had a witness. So the witness was Joe Jones. And Joe Jones was this private security guard. He was hired to patrol this abandoned building in the Bed-Stuy area. And at about 3 a.m., about 10 hours after Suya disappeared, Jones noticed this guy behind this building. And he was like, what the fuck? And he said, he hesitated a couple seconds. And he said, what if I give you $20? So I said, yeah, uh, okay. So at that time, when I'm taking the $20, I see that he has blood on him. So I said, how you get blood on you like that? I'm assuming the $20 payoff is like, dude, like, I'm just a vagrant. Like, I'm just walking around. Leave me alone. Here's 20 bucks kind of thing. Not like, you didn't see the murder. Here's $20. <laughs> Buy yourself one pack of cigarettes in New York City. I know, I'm really confused right now because he's paying off a security guard, but what does he think the security guard saw? What, do you, what does he think Joe knows? And he's paying him 20 bucks. I think it's just bucks. like, tw 
I think it's just 20 bucks to be like, Go walk away. away. Like, off. leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, but when Jones asked him about the blood on him, the dude's demeanor changed. And Jones is, like, suspicious as fuck. And so he made sure when this dude got in his car to get a glimpse of his license plate before the car, like, backed out. And he said he gets in the car, drives away, but he stops at the corner. I think he... I'm not going to do a New York accent. I I felt myself slipping. I I think he thought I was going to go back and see what he put in the garbage. And I really got suspicious when he was looking at me and I was looking at him. So when I went back, I looked on the ground and I saw spots. Spots of blood that were going towards the garbage can. So basically, security guard, he sees this dude and dude's like, Are you 20 bucks to fuck off? And he's like, okay. I'm. It's New York. I imagine that's exactly what he said. <laughs> but then dude leaves and he's like, dude, there's some fucking blood over here. I'm going to follow this trail. And so Joe Jones, he sees this blood going towards the garbage can. And I guess he had a friend that happened by. I'm assuming the other dude is like also a security guard or like a friend he has who works in the area or is in the area because you know, JoJo's security guard, so he knows them. I don't think it was just like, oh, Tony! Oh my god, from Crocodile Lounge! Oh, you're here! Okay, let's go investigate this dumpster. I don't think it was like that at all. And also, I don't think they're from Long Island. I don't think so either, but that was... You tried. You tried. (laughs) Well, okay. Also, Crocodile Uh, Lounge is not in Long Island, and you know that. (laughs) No, I know, but the accent I was putting on was more Long Island. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Crocodile Lounge is in Manhattan. I drank there on my 21st birthday. Anywho. So, Joe Jones and his friend who happened by, that's what the source said, they together go towards this dumpster and are kind of searching through it. And in the trash, in the debris, they see a woman's hand. And this was the body of Suya. So they run out of the alley to get help, and the first vehicle that actually passes them is an ambulance. And so they flag it down, but it it was too late, and Suya had already been dead for hours at this point. Okay, I just realized I was not thinking about this correctly. I was thinking they found her hand, like, only her hand. Oh no, they found her. Okay. Like, but her hand was what was sticking out of the garbage. I don't know why I thought because she was in the the garbage, I wasn't picturing her full body being there, but... Well, I also said that they found her hand, or they saw her hand poking out, but it was attached to her. I hate that. I could only imagine this, like, ate at Joe because... You know what? What if he had gone to look a little bit sooner? What if he hadn't accepted accepted the twenty dollars? Or well, I'm or pretty sure if he accepted dead. the twenty and was like, "You got blood on you, bro." The dude was like, "You know what? Deuces, I'm out. I'm getting in my car." Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I, I don't think he could have been there any sooner. But what he did do was he got a description of the killer and of the car. I'm so glad he saw him. Well, this was from mm-hmm. Unsolved Mysteries, so. Yeah, but the detective in the case, Derek J. Parker, he said, we ran all the Nissans that fit that description with the plate number in New York City, the one that Joe Jones gave him, and we tried to match registered owners by using a partial plate. 
and we were able to come up with one match. They had a match on the, I think it was like a blue Nissan and the partial plate. They got one in New York. But this is where it kind of gets weird. So the vehicle, it was registered to a Taiwanese exchange student at Long Island College. Mm -hmm. And she said that she had not driven her car since about 10 o'clock the night before. And also, there's no blood in her car or on the car. And when Detective Parker checked the engine, he found that it had not been driven for hours. So I guess they were able to take the, I I think it was a big chunk of a partial plate, because they were able to take the vehicle information and the plate and find it, like, that night. And were able to, like, when they found this car and uh, the owner, and she's like, hmm, no, my car hasn't moved. They're like, oh, no, it hasn't. So somehow, the one car that matches this description and plate wasn't the car. Well, and the thing is about the plate, I know this is giant coincidence, but if Joe got one or two of those numbers or letters off, it could mm-hmm. find another of the same car because you said it was it, it was a blue nissan a nissan but yeah nissans are all over the place i know blue is not like a super common color but it's not not it's not like it's a neon orange well and also when you think about it i'm sure you've driven down the road and seen someone's license plate that starts with the same three characters as your own because you got your license plate from the same place and probably around the same time like Mm -hmm. i know it's weird but the first three of my license plate i see that around because i got my license plate here in the metro and it's crazy to think about that but it is a numbering sequence and so two vehicles in the same general area if they happen to get it around the same time maybe have a similar number and maybe happen to be the same car like it's just it's crazy but yeah it's not unheard of no, and honestly, even if he'd seen it and it had been like 813 and he was like, oh, 013, whatever, you know? But once the, they found the car that was not the car, police started to look at Joe Jones as the suspect oh, at their no. star witness. Joe, oh God. Well, they had him take a lie detector test and he passed with flying colors And with the evidence they were gathering in his story, things just really didn't match up. And the police were pretty positive that he had nothing to do with Suya's murder and was just the first person to come across the scene. So for nearly two years, Su Young Kim stayed in the U.S., but the memories of his wife, it it proved too painful for him. So in April of 1993, he shut down his business And he and his two sons returned home to South Korea. He said, I could not stand being in the store anymore because everything there reminded me of my wife. Now, there are no good memories for me here in America. Since it happened, I lost all of my hopes and dreams. I've suffered so much. I'm still struggling hard to get over my wife's death for the sake of our children. I still truly love and miss her. And... Police have one particular theory that they're hoping will help identify Suya's killer, and it's the fact that the dumpster in Bedsty 
it wasn't one that was easily visible from the street and it was kind of hidden like back in the alley mm-hmm. kind of in a way that yeah to know it was there to know it was there and so the police believe the killer may be a delivery person or a cab driver or someone with detailed knowledge of the neighborhood but that's all they have and for now the case of suya's murder is still unsolved that's horrible and that is my case Boy. yeah all right murder mini 50 down yeah murder mini 50 is done my glass of wine is not yet done same but, I've got a little uh, bit. it's about to be but I'm going to sit on my bed and drink my wine and stare into the abyss. Me too. <laughs> you know, that's that, that that sounds really nice right now. But yes, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Hope y'all enjoyed Murder Mini 50. And if you did, I don't know, comment, like, I don't know, engage. I don't know. It's fun to be like, if you did, leave us a review, but <laughs> you could do that too. I, I just know. went an autopilot. But yeah, so thank you all so much. This is Blood and Wine and Murder Mini 50 signing off. XOXO. Bye, you guys. Bye. <laughs>